is Hebrew Hits, presented by JTribeRadio.com. I'm your host, Malia, and I sit down with people who live by the motto, it's what you do with what you have that makes a difference. ninth episode of Hebrew Hits. I'm your host, Malia, and I'm so excited to introduce a very special guest. But before I get there, I'd like to kindly ask you if you can please go subscribe to Hebrew Hits Radio on YouTube. Please go follow Hebrew Hits on Instagram and Facebook at Hebrew underscore hits. And while you're listening to this episode, please go follow, you know, you're on the, the streaming apps, you're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, wherever you're listening, just click the subscribe button and leave us a good rating. Well, I'm so excited to introduce the legendary Ellie Levin to Hebrew Hits. Ellie, how are you doing today? Hey, Malia. Thank you for having me on. Such a pleasure to have you, and I'm so excited to sit down and hear your story and how you were brought up. So, Ellie, tell me a little bit about your background, where you grew up, and how it was to be brought up in the Levin household. Okay. Thank you, Malia. I am born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. Um, I've heard of like other places. There was like a tunnel to Florida, and you can get a plane to Israel, but I'm Brooklyn through and through. Um, I'm one of 11 children, big family. Uh, I grew up for the first seven or eight years in an apartment building on Avenue T and Ocean Parkway. So if anybody knows that building, shout out. Um, yeah, it's funny. My, I'm the third out of 11. I think uh, my mother had seven kids under the age of seven. At one point, like meaning when my mother would be walking around in the street with like six, seven kids in a stroller or whatever, people would be like, oh my God, what a big family. And my mother would be like, I left half of them at home. Oh my God. Yeah. So that was my uh, being raised. It was always fun, wild, tons of action always. Kids going to emergency rooms was like a regular thing. But uh, yes, that was my childhood. Did you always play music as a kid or what was your first instrument that you were given? I always played music. Uh, ever since I was a little kid, I was obsessed. I remember there's actually a recording somewhere. I have to try to get a hold of it. Um, my, my parents had this uh, boombox back in the day that you were able to record on. Uh, cassettes, tapes. I don't know if anybody knows what that is nowadays, but I, I would like hide. Like it was in the closet. I remember like locking myself in the closet hiding and I recorded over one of my mother's tapes of like me just singing making up random songs and stuff I have to find that that would be pretty funny to listen to now but uh yeah ever since I was a little kid I was obsessed with singing making shows getting attention um I would always if I found any instrument I was like messing around with it trying to figure out how to make some music out of it wow. uh, started out with a little toy keyboard and um eventually i got a hold of a guitar i think i found one in my grandmother's basement and just on my own i'd be like busy trying to figure out how to use it how to play i then i read books and stuff eventually i started using youtube and uh just trying to figure out all the different ways to get better at my music because when you were growing up, there was no such thing as YouTube. So you had to read the books. That's true. YouTube was invented during my long lifetime. <laughs> Baruch Hashem. 
Well, I know that you mentioned that you grew up in a big family, Kanainahara. So I know that big families can be a lot of fun. You always do fun things. What was your favorite part of the year and why? Uh, so my favorite time of the year was Purim. And that was because that was my opportunity to get out there and perform for people. Mm-hmm. I'd get dressed up and every costume always included the guitar. And uh, <laughs> I remember I dressed up like Shlomo Kalbach or like Yassi Pimenta or just uh, like a cowboy. And one year I was actually the, a cowgirl. I dressed wow. up like I called myself Jenny. And there's still a lot of people who know me as Jenny because of that Purim. That was like a very transformative perm, actually, because I remember I would go collecting for my yeshiva with a group, and we'd raise a lot of money because, like, you know, a guitar singer, like, we'd get into all the different houses much quicker, and it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, one one year, I'm like standing with my group, and I felt like they didn't know what they were doing. Like, we were wasting a lot of time just getting in the car. Like for a lot of the guys being in the vehicle, like making music out of the vehicle was like a bigger deal. For me, I wanted to just get into people's houses. So I actually ditched the group and I ended up getting in a car with some Hatala guys. Uh, and then I realized that Hatala guys really know where all the best parties are because they're getting the calls. They're like, right. if, if, if Hatala is getting calls to come to a house, that's where you want to be. So... Um, we had the most amazing, amazing perm, and I became very good friends with these guys. And every year after that, instead of going with my Shiva guy groups, I would just go directly to this guy's house, Mendy Braun. Shout out to Shani and Mendy Braun. I would just go to their house, and we'd have the best perms. Um, wow. But yeah, that's because like perm was just my chance to perform in front of people when normally, you know, there was no such opportunity. Now, Baruch Hashem, it's, I'm getting my fill of performing in front of people regularly. But then that was the highlight. It's amazing that you, you know, were brave enough to do that, you know, as a young boy. I, I was never shy. I was always like just figuring out more and more ways to get attention. That's how oh. I always was. Yes, I was uh, a big attention guy. And to the point that, like, my poor Rabbeim and teachers, they really had to put up with a lot. I would always be uh, getting in trouble in yeshiva because, like, you know, I was just making jokes in class, making a lot of noise, being very annoying. My poor older brother would come home so super embarrassed. Wow. Uh, Are you still like that to this day, like, always trying to get attention and whatnot? Um. Yeah, yeah, like it's different though. It's different because I think because of the amount of attention I guess I get from the mm. music, it sort of like calmed me down. Mm. But uh, <laughs> but no, of course, I, I still appreciate, I, I think really everybody appreciates attention. They just also have shyness to like compete right. with that. But right. uh, I, I don't have that for some reason. So You don't have that shyness. <laughs> no. We all know that, I mean, many of us know that you come from a family of Levium and that music was big in your house. You also have many musical relatives. You know what I'm saying? And I see where you are right now. You're popular. You're big. People know your stuff. You know, you're always out there with these gigs. This is my question for you. This is a serious question. Why did you not start music as a full-time career right away? 
Um, it's it's just a type of thing that like it, it it's not it's not I, I don't really know exactly the answer, but I'm saying it's a, a lot of people I think and, and this happens a lot. People reach out to me and say, "Oh, let me play a song for you. I wanna I wanna get into the music. What do you think? Do you think I have what it takes?" And I always say to them, "Well, get out there, put it out there, start." start getting your material in front of people and see if there's appreciation for it. And a lot of people, I guess it's that shyness or uncomfortable to like put them put themselves out on the line and say, this is what I am. This is what I'm doing for them to like be rejected potentially. So I think people have to jump over that hump and say, this is what I want to do. Like I'm here, right. you know, I went through so many different levels until I actually made my Instagram account and said, this is what I'm doing. Uh, and I think that's sort of where it really took off. Like I had been doing events for a lot of people by word of mouth, but like here and there as a side hustle. Right. And at a certain point, uh, I, uh, you know, things happen in my life and I decided this is what I'm doing. And I, I just put it out there, and that's when things really took off. So, how long would you say right now you're you've been doing music full time? How many years? I think it's around four or five, maybe even more four or five years that I've been doing this full time, and wow. it's been incredible. Like I'm so thankful. I love it. So you've been doing this for for you know four or five years, and you focus on private events, right? Uh, a, yeah, a majority of my events are simchas, uh, parties, people's private events. So what has been the coolest place that you have been hired to play at? Um, I've been at some really cool places. I just recently got back from Africa. I went to Kenya with a group, and it was like insane. It was, I followed that vacation on Instagram. <laughs> Yeah, I, I post like nonstop. A lot of the guys are like, Ellie, can you stop? I, I'm getting too many messages. My wife knows too much. But uh, yeah, but it's it, it was insane to be standing, to be sitting in an open Jeep right next to a lion that just came from a kill. Like you could see the, the blood on its mouth. That was like, and as it walked towards me, I sort of like was like, getting scared under his like eyes, like his, his gaze. Like it looked like if he just wanted, he would just scoop me out and eat me. And uh, just being in that was terrifying, but awesome. And uh, we watched a whole bunch of different scenes of different animals. Uh, we saw a group of lions sticking out, a warthog, and it was like, this is real, you know? Wow. You even like petted an animal or something, right? I saw like on your Instagram. Yes. Yeah. What animal was that? It was a, a rhino. It's actually one of the, the three rhinos. I believe that they were telling us that they're the last three of this species. And they oh. actually have it in a conservatory because they're trying to figure out how to help it propagate again. Um, and that's the only reason why I was able to touch it. Otherwise, if I would get out of the car, it would like any normal rhino would have attacked me. Right. But, the most surprising thing is that what it felt like, like when I saw it, I would envision it having a certain like leathery, flexible feeling. Instead, it was like it felt like I was touching like 
earth. Like it felt like hard and uh, really? like solid. Yeah. Like there was no, there was no movement. There was no give. Wow. Really? That's so interesting. So this, you were hired to go on to Kenya with, a, with like a bunch of guys and you played your music on the way. Is that what you did? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was hired to meet them there and perform like, you know, to, to, to fabreng with them. It's a group of Heimish friendly guys that I know from before. And the goal was to just add a good fabrenging vibe to the, to the trip. And I've done a lot of these types of trips. Thank God. I love it. Every time it's like such a, a great opportunity and experience. Mm-hmm. I've been to Cuba with a group, uh, with Iceland. Wow. To, yeah. Some really, really cool places. So your job yeah. is not only musician, it's also you get, you know, vacation. Like literally, it's awesome. You get to travel yeah. the world. Thank God. We should uh, continue to see this bracha. Yeah. I also see that you post about um, your daughter. She's adorable. She also has a necklace or something, bracelet, mask Mask chain. chains. Yeah. Is Matt, you want to give her a shout out? <laughs> I actually don't because I think it's taking up too much time for her. She's a little, <laughs> she's a little school girl. She has to be focused on her, all her work. But, uh, but yeah, thank God she is, she's the joy of my life. She's everything. She's adorable and smart and very musical. And I love to, to have her sing with me. Mm-hmm. I posted a couple of uh, clips of us singing together. She is so talented. It makes me so proud. I've seen those clips and they're really moving. They're beautiful. Do you ever take your daughter on gigs with you if you travel the world would you take her along um yes i've had her on several of my uh trips especially yamim tovim like mm-hmm. you know i'd go i'd go to different programs for yamtiv and i'd have her and um uh, like you know i've gone to utah skiing with a group for hanukkah and i'll bring her along she's an expert little skier people actually like tell me like hey bring your daughter along like it's it's really? the type that like everybody recognizes like you know my life situation i'm a single dad i'm divorced and lonnie loves to come along when it's a fun trip mm-hmm. is it hard for her though if you're working who does she hang out with she's very independent she she has an ipad oh, okay and that's that's more than any parent could be um <laughs> so she I... figures out how to keep uh she ha- figures out how to keep busy and she does a lot we do a lot of fun activities whenever we're out so it's cool. That's, that's, that's really cool. It's definitely awesome that you could be like, you know, like as a dad, taking your daughter and having that daughter time is probably really special for you as well. Now I want to ask you this question. If you could close your eyes and dream of like, close your eyes, this is the, the gig that I want. Like what would be your dream gig? It's funny. I don't think like that. I, you know, I really? take it as it comes. I don't really, uh, like hope that to be in any specific place. Mm-hmm. it's uh it to me like and, and and this is just maybe my nature also like i'm not i'm not aggressive i'm not a not very ambitious i i, I just i i like doing what i'm doing i love it and if it keeps on going on like this i'll be so happy i just want to to appeal to people that people would appreciate what i'm what i'm doing and mm-hmm. appreciate what i bring to their party their simcha their trip or whatever and uh, however it goes, I'm, I'm going to keep rolling with it. You never thought like, oh, I want to perform for Donald Trump or for Bibi Netanyahu, no? 
No, um, on, on that on that wavelength, I think uh, I'd love to perform at Yishai Rebo. I've never mm. met him yet. I think he's awesome. And Lahavdal Elif Halfehavdalas, I'd like to sing with Ed Sheeran. Um, wow! Yeah, I'm a big Ed Sheeran fan. Ed Sheeran is great, he's, and it's the similar type of music as what you play and you sing. He's also, you know, moving, inspiring, that kind of. Yeah, I, I think he's like uh, a big role model for me, like in terms of the way he writes, the the, the way he sings. He's very eloquent and, and meaningful. And uh, same for Yishai Riba. I think he's a, a brilliant writer. Yeah. And uh, I, I love him. I think he's awesome. So, Ellie, you, you basically have celebrity status in the Jewish world. Come on. You know you do. Come on. Yeah, you know. So a basic bacha from the Bronx. <laughs> <laughs> but how does it make you feel when people think that they know you and your family before ever meeting you? That is pretty interesting, and it happens pretty often. Um, and what's scary is that I have a bad memory in terms of, like, at a certain point, like, I, I used to think I, I remembered everybody, but then, like, mm-hmm. I started realizing I really don't. And oh then it gosh. becomes confusing whether, like, I'm really supposed to remember this person or it's just this person feels like they know me and I... And like, if I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, who are you going to? I'm like, uh, I'm your brother. No, it doesn't. That, <laughs> that doesn't really happen. But like, it, it, it could be pretty, it could be pretty uncomfortable at times. And I just try to figure out how to be vague enough to like not offend somebody. But yeah, like it is a one way stream. You know, I'm posting a lot right. and they're seeing my stuff and I'm not necessarily seeing their stuff or I don't know if they put out stuff. So it could be, uh, it could be you know, vulnerable sort of. So if you would meet somebody and they would, they would, you know, say, Hey Ellie, and you automatically realize that they're a fan. You don't know them, but they're a fan. How do you react? I'm, I'm friendly. I'm a friendly guy. I always appreciate anybody who's, you know, enjoying and appreciating the music. So welcome. You know, so you would say no one should be scared if they see you out on the street. No one should be scared to come say hello. That's right. So that's good. Now, I do want to talk about like many people go through, you know, terrible challenges and they just can't continue to live in a positive way. And here you are putting out heartfelt music. And we all know the terrible tragedy that happened in your family. I personally know Ali Sheva. You know, it was hard for all of us. And the entire mantra of the show, the whole main point of this entire show, Hebrew Hits, is it's what you do with what you have that makes a difference. So I want to ask you, how did you use this to make a difference in your life? Yeah, um, just just to be clear what we're talking about, like, you know, most of, like you say, most people in our circles know of my story, but like it's, um, I unfortunately lost two siblings over the past several years uh, to terrible tragedies. And um, it's crushing, you know, it's, it's, it's really... Uh, indescribable like nobody should ever know it and nobody should ever experience that kind of loss and it's never really over but like uh, you know I was speaking to you the other day I I think everybody deals with it differently even within the same family all my siblings uh, struggle with it in different ways but uh, and my parents of course but my like nature in general has been to sort of compartmentalize everything and this has been like 
my style for many years well before this. If things are not working, if things are unhappy, I put it in a certain box, I guess, certain container, and I put it in perspective, you know. I try to focus on the good stuff that are going on around me. And, you know, like we've been talking about, my life, I'm I'm blessed, you know, and I have so many good things going on in my life. And as much as these things are downers and terrible and they could really take you down, I don't let that control my life. And uh, I think that that we all, no matter what we're going through, we all have so many blessings. Just being alive on this planet, interacting with amazing people on this planet, having all the different experiences and pleasures that are available to us in this world, that's, that's something that should be the focus. And, you know, take time to think about the stuff that are, you know, rough. But don't let that be the main display. Don't let that don't let that be the main focus of your life. That's, so did it take you a while to get to that realization or thought uh, process? I don't know if I've like always thought it out. I think as I'm looking back, I see that that's the way I deal with things, um, and it's mostly probably been subconscious. Uh, and it's also interesting, like you know. At, at, like at the time we were all crushed and it was very intense but even within that first week it was still very different to see how different people reacted but it's also interesting to me that down the road like as time went by different moments hit me in ways and I experienced them in ways that I hadn't experienced it in the beginning and I'm sure that as different times in my life will continue to, you know, fall out, I will have reactions to them in different ways. But like, you know, the main thing that I think is that there's so much good, so much good that we can focus on. And I will continue to do that. And your family has all come together even closer after all this? Like you guys are all there for each other, support each other? Definitely, definitely. We love to try to get together and we, you know, we're, we're there for each other and uh, we should continue to be. Yes. Wow. Okay. Have you ever, um, have you ever written any songs for your brothers? Um, yes, I did write a song, um, and it was very long and coming. Like it took a while till I could I remember after my brother Ari passed away different times when I was in a zone, I was trying to channel it to like come up with something to sing in his memory and it never felt right. So I would always just drop it. Um, and after Yisrael, also nothing. But then one weekend, I was in this zone thinking about, like, you know, it just was hitting me hard. And I started coming up with something. And right after Shabbos, I sat down and wrote it out and and performed it. Like, I sang it here in the studio. And... Uh, it's called You Are Never Too Far. It's a song. Um, 
I'm going to try to share it with you so that you can share it with everybody. The concept is that sometimes it feels like when you lost a loved one, you're scared that they're going to fade away and, and be gone. And the reality is that, no, that they never will. Like you're so connected and attached to the to these people that they're there and they're always there. And, and at different times you get hit by it and it affects you and you feel it. And sometimes you're not, you know, you're not feeling it, but like they're there. So you are never too far. Referring to my brothers, you're always mm-hmm. with me. And we're going to play that on the show right now. Here is You Are Never Too Far by Ellie Levin, written as a Zachos. You want to say their names? Yes, Yisrael ben Libet Barachava and Aaron ben Libet Barachava and Elisheva as well, Yisrael's fiance, who he was going to marry shortly after. So let let this be as chas for them. Let their neshamas have an aliyah. Due to Spotify rules, we are not allowed to play any songs with podcasts, but on Hebrew Hits episodes and all other streaming apps, these songs are available. So you could go listen to Hebrew Hits on all other streaming apps if you want to get the music and the songs from Ellie Levin. And I listened to it last night. And I was just, was it last night? Two night? Whenever you sent it to me, maybe two nights ago, and I just I showed it to my mom. I was like, wow, like, I, it was just, it's very, you feel it. You feel the song. And um, how would you say, like, how are you doing now? How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank God. Um, I'm, uh, you know, life is, life is very nice. Thank God. Mm-hmm. And I'm feeling good. Yeah. Baruch Hashem. I mean, it's amazing. It's really incredible how far you've come. And your father is inspiring the world with his, you know, he has 10, 10K, what is it? It's called 10K, 10K Bata Yisrael. It's incredible what he's doing. Yeah, my father started a movement. Um, it started from at the Levi, he actually got up and said, you know, Hashem is taking my child, but give, uh, you know, give us a, 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 like, you know, a payment sort of. And what my father was asking for was to see Simchas and Klal Yisrael. And he, you know, you know, my, I'm, I'm one of 11 kids. My father went through the struggle of doing a lot of shadduchim. And he recognizes that so many people are living in a way that they're, they're terrified. Are they going to find their shadduch and that they're struggling and, and years are going by. And a big focus my father is focusing on is older shadduchim to try to figure out ways to introduce people to each other. So go check out 10K Bata Yisrael. It's an amazing site with that emphasis. Um, Do you know what number he's up to yet? you have any idea? I don't remember offhand. I know it was... Uh, it, it, he has a, a metric sort of that he's... He believes it's like a shidduch a week that they've... that Based on the amount of time that it's been out there and the amount of shidduchim that have come out, it's a very nice uh, progress. Wow, that's incredible. Really incredible. Yeah. So I also know that you write your own music. So which song would you say is your favorite song you've written and what is the backstory behind the song? So I recently released my album, Hear My Prayer, and it's uh, mostly a cover album, meaning I've taken uh, songs that I believe are like, you know, some really hard to moving songs that I perform a lot at the events that I do. 
And uh, two of the songs on the album I wrote, and one is called Lord Hear My Prayer, mm-hmm. and the other one's called Yehi Ratzon. Uh, Lord Hear My Prayer came to me uh, when I was on a trip with a group in Poland. Um, we went to Majdanek, which is one of the concentration camps, and we're in this camp where hundreds of thousands, not millions of Jews had been exterminated. And there's barracks that are set that that are still like it could be that they were rebuilt as a I believe that they are the original. I know certain concentration camps they rebuilt, but there's a display of hundreds of thousands of shoes. And you're in this barrack and you're looking at these shoes. I'm looking there and I see small shoes, big shoes, expensive looking shoes, torn up shoes. And I see these one pair of shoes that looks like for a little child. And I'm thinking this could like fit my daughter, Lani. At that time, she was like five years old. And it struck me, like, imagine, like, I'm in this time and my daughter is being torn away from me and I have nothing to do. I'm powerless. And the the feeling of powerlessness was so intense for me. I, I couldn't imagine what these people went through. And I walked out of the barrack. I was holding my guitar. The rabbi was speaking in there and I, I like just started strumming and humming this tune mm. of Lord Hear My Prayer. And that's where this came from. I do plan on making a music video for this song because I do, I really connect to it so much in a way that I want people to feel the the meaning behind this song. But the the the, the words "Lord, hear my prayers." Hashem Shema Tfilasi. It's uh, it's from Tehillim, and uh, you know the amount of times that I've said that capital of Tehillim without actually realizing that I'm what I'm saying. That's why I wanted it to be in English and like make that connect. Mm-hmm. And then in the middle of the song, I add in the Hebrew, but the, the focus was on the English. Do you have an idea for what you want the music video to look like? I do. I do. I, I, I don't know if I want to share it yet, but I, I, I am looking for somebody to collaborate with me on this uh, project, like, you know, filmmaker, uh, to, to make a really nice production for it. So if any filmmakers are listening, go DM L11 Music on Instagram. Well, let me ask you this question. Can I be in your music video? A little yes. little Malia just yes. pop in. Yeah? We'll get, that, we'll get a Malia introduction in the video. Yeah, okay, awesome. Listen, I'm going to, when you make that music video, reach out and say, hey, Malia, we're shooting, come for five minutes, pop in, and get in the music video. Okay, sounds Ellie, good. Ellie, I think it's time for us to play your song, Lord Hear My Prayer. Do you want to introduce it for everybody? Yeah, Lord Hear My Prayer. This is a song I was talking about that I... Uh, uh, came, you know, composed in Maidanic. We are in a rough time now. A lot of people have lost loved ones in this pandemic. And um, it's always a good time to pray. So open your heart and listen to this song and try to connect. And uh, may we be zochet to see a complete refuah from this pandemic. And may life go back to normal and may we be Zocha to Mashiach and make our way to Israel. 
Amen. <laughs> Amen. Here is Lord, Hear My Prayer by Ellie Levin right here on Hebrew Hits. Due to Spotify rules, we are not allowed to play any songs with podcasts, but on Hebrew Hits episodes on all other streaming apps, these songs are available. So you could go listen to Hebrew Hits on all other streaming apps if you want to get the music and the songs from Ellie Levin. How do you stay so humble and so real? You're a very genuine person. Um, I... Uh, thank you. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, I, I just feel, uh, you know, I feel like it's, it's almost silly to like, to get carried away and drink the Kool-Aid sort of. I, I look around at, at some of like, you know, entertainers and performers and when they seem to be self-obsessed or whatever, it feels pathetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, meaning like, yeah, like I, I do something well, let's say, and people appreciate it, but that doesn't make me any better of a person just, you know, because something is working well for me, it doesn't, doesn't make sense to make that, that I should actually, like, even though some people do react that way, like they, they think of you as bigger and better than you are just because of what their perception of you is. That's not mm-hmm. reflective of reality. That's just what their perception is what that's what the hype is. So the reality is we're all regular good people, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, God forbid, I would hate to let that get to my head. That's very cool that you're able to do that because people who, you know, people who are known and have, let's say, quote unquote, fame, celebrity status, they get to their head and they think they could do whatever they want. And, you know, they think everything in the world revolves around them where you're showing that, you know, you believe that everybody is, is just a person, you're just a person, and it's very cool. I'm very impressed. Well, thank you. So before we go, you have already shared with us so much wisdom. Is there any other piece of advice that you can share with us? Um, I think I'm just going to go over the two concepts that I think we were talking about. That number one, if you have a talent, if you have something that you believe can, you know, be good to be shared with the world Mm -hmm. go ahead and do it like put it out there now nowadays we have so many platforms to be able to share your talents and skills malia what you're doing right now is really really impressive the fact you you know you're just taking it and running with it and you know being aggressive and making it happen that's that's unbelievable and you should be very successful with it amazing thank you um and same to everybody go ahead and and, and share your talents. Number two, the focus on um, making, making your emphasis on the positive. And uh, so many people are struggling with insecurities, with anxieties, with depression. And I really believe that you know, like it's, it's obviously whoever's dealing with it has different struggles and it's not necessarily up to them, but have the knowledge that so much of it is in your head. Mm -hmm. So much of it is because you can't see out of your bubble. And if you recognize that the good is there, there's so much good focus on the good and let time pass. You'll be able to get through that rough patch and and uh, you'll you'll be able to appreciate life that much more. Life will get better. That's such a good thing to say because so many people focus on the negativity. But if you, yes, people are going to have negativity and, and challenges in their life. But if you focus on the positive, 
That's really what makes all the difference. You just listened to the 39th episode of Hebrew Hits. Ellie, thank you so much for being here and taking your time to come on the show. Thank you, Malia. Thank you for having me. If people want to contact you, how can they get in touch with you? Um, the best way is probably my Instagram, at Ellie11music. Uh, give me a, a, a message there. Um, and I have a website, Ellie11music.com. Amazing. Guys, go check out his website and go follow him on Instagram. If you liked what you just heard, please follow us on all your favorite streaming apps. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube at Hebrew Hits Radio and go follow us on Instagram and on Facebook at Hebrew underscore hits. Thank you so much for being here with us today. We'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Adios.